0: Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I'm excited that you're tuned in this morning. Well, it's been an incredibly difficult few weeks in our American history. We've experienced numerous tragedies, ranging from the Boston bombings to the Texas fertilizer plant explosion, and all these come on the heels of even more tragedies in our recent history including the Sandy Hook Elementary shooting and so many others. Thinking about all the tragedies that we've faced recently, I thought it would be important to revisit this topic of pain, suffering, and evil once more. And specifically to ask the question how a good, loving, and all-powerful God could allow such things to happen. It's a hard question, but it warrants our attention. So let's jump right into it. You've all heard about these terrible tragedies that have recently happened. And when we see such tragedies, we have to ask if God is loving, good, and all-powerful, why do these tragedies happen? Why is there pain, suffering, and evil in the world? And this question, what has traditionally been called the problem of pain, is what has led more people away from belief in God than anything else. One of the biggest critics of the New Testament documents and Christianity in general, Bart Ehrman, I've discussed him on this show before, devoted one entire show to his book, Jesus Interrupted, and have discussed some of his presuppositions of naturalism in his work on numerous occasions here on the show. But he says, as he evaluates the evidence, it's not the evidence that leads him away from faith in Christ, but rather it's the problem of pain. That leads him away from faith in christ he's just one example of so many that claim that this issue is the driving force behind their agnosticism or even their atheism it's something that we as christians have to consider and we have to answer this question but it is not only the christian that must answer this question other religions have to answer this question as well unless they believe in an evil god they must answer this question Some do describe God as unloving and vindictive, and of course they escape the question of a good loving God because they don't believe God is good and loving. Maybe they would say he's good and loving to a certain demographic of his creation, but not to all of his creation. That's not the picture of God that Christians believe in in the Bible, but there are some religions that would propose such a picture, they obviously don't have to consider the problem of pain and evil and suffering in this world. But on the flip side of that coin, they have a very difficult picture of God, one of an evil and vindictive God. So I don't think they end up giving a very positive answer at all. Relativists and pluralists must also answer this question. So all religions have to answer this question, and so do those that say all religions in all ways are equally valid, the relativists or the pluralists. If everything is relative, why would anything be objectively wrong? That would include things like bombing people at marathons. If everything is relative, the relativist has no way to say that what happened in Boston is wrong. They cannot say that murdering innocent people is wrong. Because relativism would hold that everything is relative. If there's anything that is not relative, if there's anything that is objectively wrong, then relativism falls apart. That's the same thing for pluralism as well. If anything is objectively wrong, that would include hate, murder, intolerance, racism, anything. If any of those are wrong, and I believe that most listeners today believe those are all wrong, then relativism and pluralism is invalid atheists must also answer the problem of evil now of course atheists do not believe that god exists so their question is a little bit different they don't have to answer how a good and loving all powerful god could exist and allow such things because they don't believe he exists they have to answer why any of these things would be evil in the first place so the problem for the atheist is the problem of believing anything at all is evil now, many atheists, and I discussed this a couple weeks ago on the show, I discussed Hitchens's criticism that religion poisons everything. Many atheists would claim, along with Hitchens, Dawkins, Harris, and others, that religion in general, and even Christianity specifically, is evil. Now, of course, they're wrong, and I discussed that on the show. You can go to God Solutions Show and check that out. But their whole accusation of evil presupposes the existence of evil. And if everything is just naturalism, if everything is just matter, they have no objective basis for calling anything whatsoever evil. It's been said that atoms have no morals, and that is true. Matter in and of itself has no morals. And if all we are is a materialistic universe, then there is nothing that is objectively right or wrong and might makes right. And strength is all that matters. And survival of the fittest is all that matters in the atheistic worldview. And what happened in Boston is not evil for the atheist. They cannot say that that is objectively evil. But see, we know instinctively and intuitively that it is evil. And that shows us the depravity of the atheistic worldview. See, evil is real, and we all know that. We look around the world, and we see evil, and we know that it is really real. So the Christian has to answer even another question before we get into the bigger question of the problem of pain, suffering, and evil. The Christian has to answer where evil even comes from. Now, it's typically been asked, is evil something that God creates, or is it evil because of a standard above and beyond God? Either answer would seem to indicate that God is not all-powerful. Now, both of those trajectories are wrong both of those options are wrong god does not cause evil and evil is not a correspondence to a standard outside of god rather good and evil are simply descriptions of a relationship to god himself god is the standard of what is right jesus defined god as the only true good that's in mark 10:18 and luke 18:19 Good is therefore whatever matches up to God's perfection. Conversely, whatever doesn't match up to him is evil. Scripture tells us that none of us match up to God's goodness, and that's why we need a savior. And I'll close discussing that in a minute. But none of us are perfect and none of us are good. He is the standard of good, and whatever fails to match his standard is, by definition, not good. So evil isn't necessarily a creation or something like that, but rather it is the absence of godliness. I've heard the analogies of light and darkness and hot and cold used concerning this issue and I think they're relevant. Darkness is not a tangible entity, but rather the absence of light. Similarly, cold is not a tangible entity, but rather the absence of heat. Evil is very real, just like darkness is real and just like cold is real. And it, like those, is whatever fails to match up to the standard or whatever lacks that standard, in this case, God's goodness. So evil is the lack of goodness, just like dark is the lack of light, just like cold is the lack of heat. I hope that helps you understand this issue of evil. Sin is evil and more evil than any of us sinful people could ever imagine. When I decide to do my thing and not God's thing, when I go my way, not his way, I sin. And that's evil. And that is a big part of the cause of the evil that we see all around us. It's not the only cause, however. There are two different sides to the issue of pain, suffering, and evil. There's the human component. And this is the component that I've just discussed. Our own sinful, selfish choices cause pain, suffering, and evil to others. We saw that in Boston. There's another side to this issue as well, though. There is natural pain and suffering or natural disasters, things that happen in the environmental sense that cause tremendous pain and suffering that are not necessarily caused by a human decision. The Bible tells us that because of our sin, the whole universe is under a curse. In Romans eight twenty through 22, we read, For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So all of creation, the entire universe, is in bondage to decay because of our human sin. We see that every day when we look at selfishness even now in our society how it leads to things like pollution and it leads to all sorts of other natural and environmental evils and the bible describes that in an even larger way in a universal way the entire universe is in bondage to decay because of human sin so that explains some of the environmental aspect of this question and of course the human aspect especially as we've seen in some of these recent tragedies, is necessary to consider. Humans are very sinful, and that results in pain, suffering, and evil. So, there are a few different ways that some have addressed this issue, and they all fall apart. These come from Erickson's Christian Theology, a 1,200-page book that addresses a whole lot of stuff. But it does a good job discussing a few of these ways of getting out of the problem of evil. The first of the three is to redefine God. That's called finitism. God is not omnipotent in this perspective. And this was the opinion of Edgar Brightman of Boston University. This obviously gets Brightman out of the problem, but leaves him with an even larger one, a weak God. Next, you could redefine good. Goodness is whatever God does. This is the opinion of Gordon H. Clark, a hyper-Calvinist. This is circular and fails to account for the problem of evil. It is similarly, intuitively ridiculous. I can't look at a mass murder bombing situation, a terrorist attack, and say, oh, it was really good. That's just redefining terms in order to get out of the problem. And all of us know that that's wrong. No, that was not good. That was evil. It also makes God out to be quite the malefactor. Next, we could redefine evil. It's just an illusion. This is best exemplified by the Christian scientists, and it's important to note that they are neither Christians nor scientists. But that perspective holds the view that all evil is illusory. My dad, when he was a kid, was shooting off bottle rockets in St. Louis and shot one into the pine trees of his neighbor's house. And the pine trees in their yard ended up combusting and burning to stubs of charcoal basically my dad says left my dad absolutely terrified he ran and hid in his closet after watching these trees go down in fire the neighbors returned home and they were christian scientists themselves and they were not mad at my father because in their minds it was just an illusion evil is not real So hopefully for them, it gave them some peace during that tragedy, but I think ultimately we know that such answers are meaningless. We know evil is real, and just pretending that it's an illusion doesn't get us out of the real problem of pain, suffering, and evil. This fails to answer the question, and it fails to give real hope. We all know that pain, suffering, and evil are very real. That being said, it's important to now turn to the biblical perspective on this issue a great place to start when we consider what the Bible has to say about pain suffering and evil in the world is the story of Job we see Job a righteous man that loved God enduring a tremendous amount of pain and suffering because of the evil decisions of Satan himself Satan was allowed to do evil God did not do the evil, nor did he cause the evil, nor did he wish the evil, but he allowed Satan to do the evil that he desired in a way that ended up resulting in good. That's obviously a very short summary of the book of Job. I'd encourage you to pick it up and read it yourself. You'll get a lot out of it. It's probably the oldest book in the entire Bible, and it's a great, great perspective on the problem of pain, suffering, and evil. But that being said, we see a little bit of the answer from the biblical perspective. The fact that God does not cause or wish evil on anyone, but that he can allow it for a greater purpose both in our lives and the world as a whole. I hope you'll tune in for the second half of the show to hear that extrapolated in a little more detail. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution on KDUR 919 and 939. FM here in Durango and KDUR.org online. I'm excited that you're listening. We're talking about the problem of pain, suffering, and evil in the world. As you know, we've recently had several large tragedies here in our country. Some have left a lot wondering, how could a good, loving, and all-powerful God allow such things to happen? This is a question that everyone has to answer, even the atheist, as I said previously, But we're discussing now how the Christian answers this. Now, part of the answer arises from the fact that God has given us a free will. Some would argue against that free will. They fail to realize that every command of Scripture presupposes the choice to obey or disobey. And the entire Bible is full of stories of those who obey God and those who disobey him. God explicitly describes our free will in various places, and one of my favorites is Deuteronomy 30, verses 15 through 20. It says, See, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction, for I command you to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live." And that you may love the Lord, your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him for the Lord is your life. And he will give you many years in the land. He swore to give your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The reality is that we have a free will. We can choose good or bad, just as we just read in scripture, God gives real free will to real moral agents that have the real ability to either obey or disobey him. He gives humans free will. Sin and selfishness have consequences. Sin hurts us. Sin hurts others. Sin hurts the environment. Remember, I discussed Romans eight twenty through 22 before, which described how all of creation is under a curse and bondage to decay because of our sin. And again, we see that Even today, for example, pollution resulting from human selfishness. God does not tempt anyone to sin. He does not desire that anyone would sin. And he tells us not to sin. Unfortunately, people still sin and it causes all sorts of pain, suffering and evil. Funny how so many hate being told not to sin and say, who's God to tell me what to do and what not to do. Yet they fail to recognize the very good reason for such commands our protection, and the protection of so many others. He allows us to sin because he's given us a free will, and that sin often has terrible consequences. In his sovereignty, though, he can turn even those tragedies around for good. Humans are a big reason for the pain, suffering, and evil in the world. I shared recently how G.K. Chesterton answered a survey question or an essay question in london about what the problem with the world was and he said i am great answer hitting the nail on the head human free will is a huge component of the problem of pain suffering and evil in the world he also allows spiritual beings the freedom to do evil Satan is very real, and his entire purpose, the Bible says, is to steal, kill, and destroy. That's in John 10.10. Jesus defines him as the ruler of this world. And 2 Corinthians 4.4 affirms that, describing his evil intent for the world as well. He is a big reason for the pain and suffering and evil that we see all around us. Again, to summarize, God has given real power to real people and real spiritual forces, yet he restrains them, keeping them on a very short leash. The evil he allows is allowed with a greater purpose in mind. And I'm going to describe part of that purpose now. God allows pain, suffering, and evil for a greater purpose. He works out everything according to his will, scripture tells us. Ephesians one eleven says God works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will. Somehow in his sovereignty, he is able to give real free will to real people that cause real problems here on this earth. Yet he can take even the worst of those problems and turn them around and work them and their consequences in conformity with his will for the greatest amount of good. Peter Kreeft of Boston College gives the following example. He describes how if there were a bear caught in a bear trap, And you wanted to release the bear from that trap. You would try to maybe pry open the trap with a crowbar or something of that sort while restraining the bear so you yourself would not be eaten. The bear, of course, would think this was terrible and would be writhing in pain and more angry than he was when he was just trapped in the trap. You, meaning to do good to the bear and to protect the bear and to save the bear, would be seen by the bear as the agent inflicting evil upon it. It's a good example that I think we have to consider how God could use the evil that we see all around us for a greater good. I've heard another analogy of a tapestry. When you see a beautiful tapestry and you look at it from the front, you see the picture that was meant to be seen, a beautiful, beautiful picture. However, when you look at it from the back, you see nothing but lines and patterns that seem to mean nothing and phrase and strings going seemingly nowhere. We know that depending on your vantage point, you'll see either a beautiful picture or chaos. It's the same for us here on this earth. We see the chaos, but we don't yet see the vantage point from eternity as God sees it. C.S. Lewis describes how God can allow pain for a better good in the problem of pain, stating, We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures speaks in our conscience but shouts in our pains it is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world god allows pain to truly get our attention to result in the greatest collective good the greatest individual good and his plan and glory see the bible tells us that god determines the times and places that people would live he is sovereign over history allowing what happens in history so that men will reach out and find him, so that women will reach out and find him, so that people will come into relationship with him. That's in Acts 17, 26 through 27. Next, God allows evil for the greatest individual good. A great example is children and discipline. Sometimes my children do bad things. They disobey me, and I have to discipline them. They hate timeouts. They don't like timeouts. They don't like not getting treats. But sometimes those things happen as a form of discipline. They would consider it painful, and they would probably consider it suffering. In reality, it's working in them a good character and a whole lot of future good. Similarly, there have been times where I've told them not to do something, and they've wanted to persist in doing it, and I've allowed them to do it knowing that they would have Natural discipline if you will allowing them to face the consequences of their action now of course if there's anything dangerous I'm going to protect them from that but in small instances I have allowed them to experience a little bit of the consequence of them disobeying me and the Small amount of pain that came out of such a natural situation so that they would see that they can trust that what I'm saying is for their good Sometimes God will allow pain and suffering for our best interest. James 1, 2 through 4 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And it was with that concept of understanding God's plan that Paul was able to say about his own pain and suffering, Therefore, I am well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Finally, God's plan and glory can be accomplished by a lot of the pain, suffering, and evil that he allows. In John 9, we read of a man born blind, and the disciples asked, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus said, neither this man nor his parents sin, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. He ended up believing in Jesus and worshiping Jesus. God allowed that to happen to him, the blindness that is, so that he and others would see God's power and come to know him. Ultimately, God does not cause or initiate pain, suffering, or evil, but he allows them in a restrained way for a greater purpose and good. As we close out the show, I want to remind you that all worldviews have to answer this question. Other religions must answer this question. I believe they come up short. Relativists and pluralists must answer this question. As I described previously, they come up very short. Atheists must answer this question. They don't believe that God exists, but they have to explain why evil exists. Because if there are no objective standards... The atheist cannot say that anything is evil. Yet we all know that evil is very real. And the atheist, again, is left without answers. Finally, the Christian, being the only perspective that has a solid answer to the problem of pain, suffering, and evil in the world, also has hope in pain and suffering. This may sound a bit theoretical, all that I've discussed today. But I want you to know that if you're in the middle of tragedy and many of us either are or will be soon, there is hope for you. That is the additional aspect of the Christian message, the Christian answer to pain, suffering, and evil in the world. God says in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those who are crushed in spirit. And in Matthew 5, 4, Jesus says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. In John sixteen thirty three, Jesus promises in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And with that in mind, we have to remember that Jesus, unlike any other God, became a man and experienced what we do. No other religious perspective believes in a God that can relate to us in our pain and suffering. And in fact, he went through more pain and suffering than any of us ever have yet having gone through that pain and suffering, having been tempted and tried in all things as we are, like it says in Hebrews 4.15, and being able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses, he has real hope and real answers. And with that in mind, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's in Matthew 11.28. So if you're weary and burdened, with pain, suffering, and evil, with the consequences of others' evil or just natural issues. Know that Jesus says, come to me and I will give you rest. I will give you comfort. I will walk with you. He says that he'll give the Holy Spirit to anyone that believes in him. And he actually calls the Holy Spirit the Comforter. See, Jesus says that he came to give life and to give life in abundance to all those that follow him. That's the opposite side of the spectrum from Satan who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Finally, for those that love Christ, he says that he will work all things for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purposes. That's in Romans 8, 28. And it's the ultimate good news for every Christian that's going through hard times and through pain and suffering. See, the Bible says that humans are sinful, and that is a big part of the evil we see all around us but with that in mind we have to know that God loves each of us even the worst and that he came and he lived a perfect life among us as Jesus Christ and he died on the cross to pay for our sins so that anyone who would put their faith in him would be able to be adopted into his family becoming his child I hope that you'll take that step today and say Jesus forgive me for my sins I put my faith in you be my Savior and Lord and make me the kind of person that you want me to be. A great place that you could keep growing in your faith this morning would be Grace Church. They meet at 1440 Florida Road at 1045 a.m. Again, that's 1440 Florida Road at 1045 a.m. I hope you'll give Grace Church a shot this morning. Get all of our previous shows at Godsolutionshow.com and please let us know what you think. I really appreciate your comments and questions. And even if they're negative... I would love to talk with you or even discuss your issue on the air. Just call in and let us know. Remember, an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. And when we consider the problem of pain, suffering, and evil, I believe the Christian worldview has the best answer and the only answer that gives true hope to those that find themselves suffering. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day.